From the nation's capital, this is D.C. Public Safety. I'm your host, Leonard Sipes. And ladies and gentlemen, this is my final podcast after 25 years of hosting radio and television shows for governmental agencies. And we have a heck of a show with you today. We have Pat Nolan. Pat is the director of the Center for Criminal Justice Reform of the American Conservative Union. Uh, He was a longtime principal within uh, Prison Fellowship. His web address is not www. Don't worry about that. It's justice.a. ACU.foundation. You don't have to worry about .org. You don't have to worry about .com. Justice.acu.foundation. Pat Nolan, welcome to D.C. Public Safety. Thank you, Len. It's Pat, an honor to be with you. You have been in the criminal justice system, around the criminal justice system for a long time. But before we start talking about um, the whole idea of uh, reform and the conservative movement for reform within the criminal justice system, give me a sense as to your background. Yeah, I was a member of the California legislature. I represented Glendale, Burbank, and Pasadena. In the state assembly, I was Republican leader of the state assembly for uh, four years uh, and um, was trying to build a majority. And uh, I was uh, targeted by the FBI. Uh, They contributed to my campaign. It turned out to be a front company, but um, they charged me with racketeering. And uh, after five years of uh, uh, running out of money and time, I just uh, rather than uh, face a mandatory minimum sentence, which would have kept me away from my kids for 21 years, they were only five, four, and ten months at that point. I pleaded, so I uh, did uh, uh, 29 months in federal custody. And uh, when I came out, uh, Chuck Olson uh, had contacted me and said, would I uh, come work with him and... Um, uh, because of my legislative experience and my time in prison uh, and my background as a lawyer, he thought uh, uh, I'd be able to work uh, closely with him to help change the system and reform the system. And so I you, did that. You were a fairly traditional law and order um, politician when you were in California, correct? Yes. Yes, I was. And you ended uh, up going to prison and your experience was? I was shocked at a couple of things. One is uh, so little was being done to prepare the inmates uh, for their return. Uh, the, the programming was virtually non-existent. Uh, whereas when I was in the legislature, uh, they kept talking to us about all these great programs they had, and uh, they were basically non-existent. And uh, I was also surprised how difficult it was uh, to practice my faith inside prison. Uh, You you would have thought even an atheist warden would want to encourage people to be involved uh, in their faith, but um, uh, they put up all sorts of barriers. And and it wasn't from onimus to religion. Frankly, it's laziness. It's more work to check in volunteers and to keep track of them. And uh, so uh, they, uh, it, it was uh, just very difficult, uh, very difficult to get a Bible in. The, the chaplain of the legislature three times mailed the Bible in, totally complying in every way with what the uh, regulations were, and yet it got sent back three times. Um, things like that that were 
irritating. So th- those two things surprised me, um, uh, and uh, and and based on that, I uh, I came to the conclusion that uh, uh, in in spite of uh, my feeling that uh, a lot of the people in um, running the prisons uh, were interested in public safety. What I discovered is there were those that were heroes that really were, but to a lot of them it was just a regular job that might have been working at the DMV rather than a prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a lot of lethargy and uh, not much enthusiasm for uh, taking on um, tasks like helping uh, prepare the inmates or uh, helping reform, the, reform their moral center. Um, and yet both of those things are so important if we're going to have safe communities when people are released. So as you said, you came out, you, Chuck Colson convinced you to join Prison Fellowship. You were there for, I think you said, 15 years. So your sense now, I mean, you've truly been on both sides of the aisle. You were at a, this extraordinarily powerful position in the state of California in terms of the General Assembly there. You won to prison. You've spent time um, with Prison Fellowship. You're now with the American Conservative Union Foundation. Uh, so your perspectives from this vast and interesting and complicated experience, um, tell people what you've discovered with all of that experience. Break it down into four or five key things uh, that people need to know about the criminal justice system. Um, the, the first is that it is a uh, self-perpetuating bureaucracy, uh, and uh, that has been a big part of the message to conservatives that um, conservatives have tended to turn a blind eye to some of the bureaucratic excesses of the prison system, basically um, saying, well, we agree with their aim, so they must be doing things right and not holding them accountable. And I'd say, frankly, the same way at the federal level, I think there's been a a pass given to Pentagon spending that's over the top, and uh, conservatives have turned a blind eye to that over the years. So that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, we need to hold uh, the system accountable um, uh, for lower recidivism. Uh, You know, we call it a Department of Corrections, but there's not a lot of correction going on. And uh, there are programs that work, uh, that do change lives. Um, And uh, we we ought to be encouraging those and... uh, and we ought to be uh, promoting uh, those wardens that have a success rate at, uh, at doing it. Uh, the third is that, uh, of course, the most important part is when they come out uh, in, into the community. And uh, I was shocked at how difficult uh, prison made it for families to stay in touch. Uh, and yet it's the influence of a family that is the greatest factor in helping inmates uh, make a successful transition uh, to the community. And then I'd say last is uh, the importance of the church and uh, community leaders in mentoring prisoners. Uh, But but you've lined up some really 
some fairly powerful people in terms of the American Conservative Union Foundation and also throughout your time with Prison Fellowship. Give me some of the names that are supporting this particular point of view. Yeah, uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the Assembly, uh, Grover Norquist, uh, head of uh, Americans for Tax Reform, uh, Ken Cuccinelli, the former Attorney General of Virginia, also Mark Early, the former Attorney General of Virginia, Ed Meese, the former Attorney General of the United States. Um, those are right off the top of my head. The Governor Perry uh, from Texas. Uh, the uh, you know it's. Um, These thoughtful conservatives have said, gee, uh, we can have better results, uh, and uh, we can, uh, you know, turn lives around. You know, we don't, we shouldn't just uh, lock people up and throw away the key, uh, because frankly, we can't afford to keep them locked up forever. So we'd better invest in uh, helping them change their lives. Okay, and that's the heart and soul of the conversation, I think. Why, uh, it, traditionally, the conservative party, the con- members of, who are consider themselves conservative, have been, shall we say, law and order, incarceration is okay, um, what happens during incarceration is an unfortunate um, um, sidebar issue, but we need to build prisons, we need to put more cops on the street, we need to enforce law and order, and we need to make for a safer society because only through a safer society can we really bring justice and economic development. Uh, That seemed to be the mantra on the conservative side for many years. Now, when I'm having discussions with people about change, fundamental change within the criminal justice system, uh, I remind them that without the conservative point of view uh, supporting this, there wouldn't be any hope for change. So in many ways, conservatives seem to be driving this conversation maybe more powerfully than, than other political persuasions. Uh, am I in the ballpark or am I wrong? Oh, no, you're absolutely right. If you look at the states, and 90% of prisoners are in state prison, not federal prison. You look at the states, Republican governors have led the way. Governor Perry uh, you know, led the way in Texas. Uh, where they decided they had plans and had funded three new prisons. They decided not to build those prisons and instead put the money into drug courts, mental health treatment, and uh, drug addiction treatment. And uh, it's astounding. They lowered their prison population. They saved uh, uh, $3 billion. And the crime rate is the lowest it's been since 1968. So that's and for conservatives, that's the uh, the important part. That yes, we want to save money, but we don't want it to increase crime. And Texas showed the way that by intelligently choosing who to lock up, because we do need prisons, but we've overused it. And so they began uh, finding alternatives to prison for the low-level offenders. And that freed up money that could go into uh, mental health and and, uh, drug treatment. And uh, the result is 
a lower crime rate so the people are safer and they've saved money. So what's the heart and soul here, Pat, uh, in terms of the conservative view of change within the criminal justice system? Is it religiosity? Um, Is it morals? Is it a faith-based approach? Is it an economic approach that we simply cannot continue to put more money in the criminal justice system? Is it an, an efficacy point of view that the criminal justice system needs to be more efficient in terms of what it does or all that? I, I think it's all that. To, to libertarians, it would be the idea of uh, we've given government too much power to lock people up. For economic conservatives, it would be it's costing us a fortune, and we're not getting the public safety we should get for that. For religious conservatives, it's that uh, these lives could be changed, and for the better, uh, if we would invest in them, invest in them not only money-wise, but more importantly, invest the time for mentoring, coming alongside, helping uh, in that way, and also helping the families. So it's really uh, depending on what branch of the more conservative uh, you know, spectrum you come from, uh, there are different things that, uh, uh, you know, that motivate people, but it's, it's really all of those factors come together to where we've really gotten a powerful group. Uh, I, I mentioned Texas and South Carolina, but Georgia, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, South Dakota, Alaska, uh, Oklahoma, um, I'm leaving a couple out, Pennsylvania, uh, all those in Republican governors have led the way uh, to say, uh, you know, we can, by intelligently choosing who to send to prison and who to decide not to send to prison, we can save enough that we can put it into programs that help turn everybody's life around that's in the system and lower the crime rate as well as protecting the taxpayer. And that's a winning formula. So it is fair to say that without conservatives, without conservative conservative leadership on the issue of fundamental change within the criminal justice system, that change would not happen. I uh, I, I think that's uh, absolutely incontrovertible. And and I would say you know it makes sense. Uh, Nixon could go to China. His credentials as an anti-communist were so strong that he could take that bold move. If Hubert Humphrey had talked about going to China, everybody would have said, oh, he's a sellout, he's a pinko, you know, and uh, and, and the same way. Uh, the Democrats who support these reforms are good people. I work with a lot of them. But they've been beaten up for years for being soft on crime. There's no way anybody is going to accuse Governor Perry or Texas of being soft on crime. Uh, and so when they did this, it really got people's attention. And, uh, and so it spread uh, like wildfire. And, uh, you know, Republican governors uh, around the country uh, are taking the lead on this and uh, really making a difference. We're more than halfway through the program. Today we're talking to Pat Nolan. Pat is the director of the Center for Criminal Justice Reform for the American Conservative Union Foundation. Their web address is justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E dot A-C-U dot foundation. Don't have to put dot org. Don't have to put dot gov or dot com. It's just justice dot A-C-U dot foundation. Uh, Pat has been a true leader of fundamental change within the criminal justice 
system now for 15, 20 years, and that's why we wanted to bring Pat on uh, to have that conversation about the conservative view of change within the criminal justice system. All right, so, Pat, uh, we both agree that the conservative perspective is what has powered uh, the uh, sense of changing the criminal justice system in the United States for a wide variety of, of reasons. So where is, what does the conservative community want out of all of this? Fewer prisons, greater efficiency. What is the heart and soul uh, behind all of this? A little less recidivism, less crime. What's the bottom line? Right. Uh, The number one goal is uh, less crime. Uh, We want safer communities for people to live in. Uh, But we think, uh, uh, or we think we've shown that there are proven programs that help reduce recidivism uh, and uh, therefore not only that lowers crime, but it saves us money. Those are fewer victims, fewer court cases, fewer prison beds that need to be filled. Uh, You know, we win on every count uh, that way uh, and that that is a far more intelligent way to create safer communities than just locking up more people, grabbing people off the street and locking up for longer periods of time. I do want to address reform within the United States. I want to address it uh, from what's happening at the national level and what's happening at the state level because when I read the endless articles about change and legislation currently being considered in the United States Senate, there are still staunch conservatives who disagree strongly about uh, rearranging the criminal justice system. I've seen comments like, um, I don't want to send violent repeat criminals back um, to their communities. Uh, Again, these are federal crimes, not state crimes. So am I right or wrong that there are still conservatives um, who are opposed to this sense of fundamental change? No, there are. In in fact, I, I I've told people we're in the phase of the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> you know, the, those that are part of the establishment are lashing out. Uh, in fact, uh, Senator Tom Cotton has said uh, he thinks we don't lock up enough people. Mm-hmm. He'd like more people incarcerated. Well, you know, um, as Senator Jim Webb said, you know, uh, we have the highest incarceration rate in the world. Uh, either we are the uh, most evil people in the world, I don't think so, and neither did Jim, or rather we have a system that's really messed up, and it's a system that's really messed up. That's why we have more people incarcerated. It's not because our people are inherently any more bad uh, than others, and uh, and yet that's the implication of what uh, Senator Cotton and Senator Sessions uh, are, are saying. Uh, and uh, in a way, they have a luxury. At the federal level, of course, uh, you know, there's no limit. Uh, they can have deficit spending. In the states, uh, there's a balanced budget requirement. They have to balance their books. And so for every dollar that the states spend on prisons, it's coming out of schools and roads, uh, hospitals, um, you know, or tax cuts, and uh, uh, you know it. That has concentrated them on how do we get the most bang for our buck for the taxpayers, 
And uh, so they've become very innovative, these Republican governors. Uh, John Kasich in Ohio insisted he wouldn't sign the budget till they had criminal justice reform uh, as a way to balancing uh, the budget. Uh, and um, But see, at the federal level, they don't have that balanced budget. So they can just keep adding on to the national debt. So it's the budget argument that, that keeps fundamental change from happening at the national level but allows it to happen at the state level? It's a catalyst. I don't think it's enough because uh, when I was in the legislature, a lot of legislators would have said, well, then we need to strip everything else in order to pay for prisons. And there's not that now. But what it does is it starts the conversation with conservatives to say, hey, is there a better way? Then once, once that budget discussion has gotten their attention, then they're open to looking at the programs that deliver more safety for the cost. And those are things that reduce recidivism. You know, one of the canards of the 60s and 70s was nothing works. Well, the fact of the matter is we know there are things that work. There are uh, programs that help change lives, that turn them around. Uh, Many of them are face-based faith-based, but also there are a lot of just, you know, drug treatment programs, uh, job training programs that really result in, uh, you know, the preparation of the inmates to, to be good neighbors when they get out. And, uh, and so uh, the budget discussion opens the door to then discuss, hey, look, at if we fund these programs, we're going to have fewer people coming into the system, and that's going to save money. And that's the, you know, that's the combination. The budget's a part of it, but it's not the totality of it. That's just the, the opening gambit that gets their attention. Unfortunately, at the federal level, they have the luxury of not dealing with that budget deficit. They just, you know, what's another uh, slice off a cut loaf? Add more to the deficit. Now, the interesting part of it is that, and, and, and this is a tough question uh, to respond to, I was reading a report the other day from a national foundation about the, the fact that there have been literally hundreds of changes over the course of the last 15 or, uh, or 20 years uh, at the state level in terms of changes within the criminal justice system. Uh, and yet, at the same time, there was a report that came out just about at the same time uh, about the fact that uh, the, more people are going to prison they may be going there for a shorter time period, so the overall population has declined a little bit, but more people are going and they're getting shorter sentences. So they're saying prison reform has worked, but yet more people are going into the criminal justice system. How much have things changed? Um, You have this alliance now between liberals and conservatives. Uh, You would think that this thing would take off uh, like a rocket, uh, considering the fact that programs uh, are showing reductions in terms of recidivism and people coming back to the prison uh, system. Why hasn't things been uh, more productive? Why hasn't change been more aggressive? Why hasn't it moved faster than what it has um, over the course of the last, just say, five years. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first of all, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, part of it comes from uh, the motivation f- 
for a liberal supporting reforms is different than for conservatives. And uh, they don't always align. The, uh, the, the object would be the same, but uh, the means would be different and the motivation would be different. Uh, liberals tend to say it's society's fault, don't hold anybody accountable. Uh, it's you know poverty, lack of education, et cetera. Conservatives say that's unfair to a lot of people that are poor and got lousy educations that still leave law-abiding lives and are decent people. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know the, uh, we need to hold people accountable. But and this is where the sort of the new strain of conservatives say, but we can't give up on them. Those that do break the laws. We need to do what we can to help uh, prepare them to change course in their life. And uh, so that, that's part of, uh, of the difference. Uh, we also believe, uh, conservatives believe in looking at risk, and liberals don't. Liberals are so suspicious of the system. They think anything that assesses the risk of somebody is inherently racist and classist. And uh, conservatives say, well, there's a big difference between somebody that is a physical threat to us and somebody that we're just mad at because they didn't follow the rules. Uh, you know, and, uh, and it's legitimate to make a distinction. Uh, we don't need to lock up those people that we're just mad at. Prisons are for people that we're afraid of. Uh, liberals don't want that distinction made. But the argument is that things simply haven't moved fast enough and people are puzzled as to why. I mean, to this day, uh, the overwhelming majority of people in prison don't get mental health treatment. The overwhelming majority don't get right. jo uh, occupational job training. The overwhelming majority uh, right. don't get drug treatment. I could go on and on and on. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. And, and so and people are saying, okay, well, if we have the conservatives and we have the liberals and and you know, we are marching on in terms of the larger issues. We're marching in lockstep. Why hasn't changed? Uh, why hasn't change come faster? And so I'm asking you that question. Yeah. Why hasn't well, change come you know, faster? The, the, the founders of the republic made it very difficult to change the law uh, for a good reason. They didn't want us rushing in all sorts of directions. So, you know, the, the old analogy, you know, to turn a ship, you know, you got to start way ahead of time to turn it around. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is we have reduced the prison population overall and some states more significantly than others. But, no, I totally agree. Mental health is a perfect example. About 25 to 30 percent of the people in jail and prison are mentally ill. Most of them are not dangerous. They don't belong in jail or prison. And I've been, uh, since I was in the legislature, I've been active trying to decriminalize mental illness. Uh, the problem is the, our poor uh, sheriffs uh, that run the jails have been, the system has dumped the mentally ill on them. It's not that they've chosen it, uh, but, you know, we just haven't built the community facilities that are needed. So we need to do that. We need to train the officers so they can defuse situations and uh, and not end up having to shoot uh, the mentally ill, which sadly happens too often, or or the officers get injured. Uh, so there are a lot of things we should be doing there. But if, for instance, we did remove the non-dangerous mentally ill from prisons and jails, 
that would be a significant reduction immediately. And it would be cheaper and it would be more humane to the mentally ill person. They'd get better treatment. And you know who would like it the most? The sheriffs. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Jails. Absolutely. Because jails run on order. Right. And by definition, right. someone that's living in an alternative universe can't follow the orders. Yeah, I, I, don't, I agree with you completely. Uh, I, and most people in the criminal justice system would be supportive, but they're wondering where's the money. Um, in the final minute of the program, Pat, where does the conservative view of change within the criminal justice system, where would you like to see us in the next five years? Only one minute left. I, I think it's addressing mental health. I think it's addressing family issues uh, and really continuing to bring the population down. We've only just started, and uh, I know people are impatient. But, you know, Lynn, uh, I, w- I want to say in the last few seconds I have, you've been magnificent to work with. And, uh, you know, you have really shown that community uh, support to help transition of offenders is essential. And I, my hat's off to you. Well, Pat, you're, you're, you're kind. I, I think that you have played a far greater uh, role in terms of uh, fundamental change within the criminal justice system than, than our little podcast. But the, the, the concept is that if you have conservatives who are, ish, who are concerned about change, concerned about fairness uh, from a religious point of view, uh, concerned about tax paid dollars, concerned about efficiency within the criminal justice system, uh, then your point of view is uh, eventually going to prevail. That's, that's your bottom line, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yep. and, the bo- and we just have to bring more people aboard. Yeah. And the bottom line is, uh, is real change and significant change. That is the bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Nolan, he is the director of the Center for Criminal Justice Reform at the American Conservative Union Foundation. Uh, the address, web address, justice.acu.foundation, justice.acu.foundation. You don't need .org. You don't need .gov or .com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is D.C. Public Safety. For anybody interested in reaching me, you can reach me at my website at leonardsipes.com. That's my personal website. This is DC Public Safety. We appreciate your comments. We even appreciate your criticisms and we want everybody to have themselves a very pleasant day. 